We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. You know, he believes he can be a starter. We've seen him be a starter in the past. And so we're going to go into spring prepared to stretch him out and we'll make adjustments along the way if need be. So it's going to take a little bit of time to appropriately stretch him out, but we're going in with the intention for him to be a starter in 2024. Mully and Haw, Chicago Sports Radio 6-7 to the score. That is the White Sox general manager, Chris Getz. And he was talking on Tuesday saying he sees Garrett Crochet as a starting pitcher in 2024. Did not, did not say when. Um, he also said that they want to end a right fielder, but there are internal options. Yeah, there are internal options. I don't think any of them are really that great. Eloy Jimenez, Gavin Sheets, and the guy that just signed Phillips. Is it Phillips the name? I, there are internal options. What was the purpose for Chris Guest speaking yesterday? Just curious. I, did I, miss uh, something? I think they were having some um, some meetings down in uh, – or it's not down. It's it's uh, over by there, I believe, uh, in the so south side So organizational meetings? In, okay. In Arizona. I just wondered. If, and they made him available. Not related to his Michigan Wolverines winning the national championship or anything, taking I'm not, a victory I, lap I on behalf not, of – I didn't sit in Big on Blue. it, but I don't think anyone asked him about that. Did he bring it up? <laughs> I don't know. Just what, Does he was, get a piece it, of that glory? I, I appreciate the access. I, I think that, you know, gives you something to consider um, in, in a January Wednesday in Chicago, Garrett sure. Crochet in the rotation, his last start coming for the University of Tennessee. So his next start will be his first career major league start. I, I, don't, um, I don't know what to expect from the White Sox, but I think it could be another long season. And I don't know what to think about the Dylan Cease trade rumors because yesterday didn't provide – all that much clarity. Uh, he he said that uh, Martin Maldonado and Max Stasi are going to be the White Sox catchers. I wonder how how that went over with everyone else. Well, that That's definitely is uh, an ode to defense and handling pitchers, and you're not going to get a ton of offense out of those guys, and you're going to buy yourself some time while your young catchers develop. So. Good for Chris Getz getting in front of things. If he wants to project a message, the Sox don't have a convention to, as we know, to kind of do what the Cubs will do this weekend uh, downtown. So, all right. The Garrett Crochet news makes you hopeful but skeptical because there's just the health aspect and the health part of it that makes you reluctant to put too much faith or confidence in what to expect. Yeah, I I uh, I got to be honest with you. I I I'm having a hard time getting fired up about you know. Normally but, the hot stove warms my heart, yeah. but this is just more difficult. I mean, I, and I said it earlier. I'll say it again. There's a certain desperation involved uh, in and if you're trading away your best pitcher, your your Cy Young candidate, your number one, and then you're talking about trying to take a guy that unfortunately got injured and has been struggling to get back from that and moving him into the starting rotation. I, I just think that 
I'm, you know, I'm, you got to try everything and you need help everywhere, but there's a certain desperation. You're there. in the trial and error phase of the rebuild, so you're going to try a lot of different things. Let's put it this way in, in, to connect a couple of the stories here. The general manager I wanted to hear from on Tuesday in Chicago exactly. wasn't Chris Getz. No, no. I would really like to know what Ryan Poles is thinking. I really want to know what Ryan Poles is doing. And I really want to know what is going on at Hallis Hall as we all wait collectively for some news to trickle out of there do, and do, for this to be addressed. Do you see a Friday news dump? Is that what you're saying? It's conceivable. It would be on brand, and I think we have seen that before. Friday, not that anybody – well, it is. you said news dump. It is relevant. The Cubs convention is going on. There's going to be a lot of media attention on the Cubs convention because it's a big deal, certainly here on the score. The Bulls are having, you know, the ring of honor inductees. There's a possibility Michael Jordan could be in town. Michael Jordan coming to Chicago, being at the United Center would be a thing. Yes. It would be a thing. It's going to be a big enough thing with the Golden State Warriors in town. Steph Curry, Steve Kerr, maybe is Draymond Green going to be here? Did you hear Draymond say uh, earlier in the week that when he was uh, talking to uh, Adam Silver, about the suspension, he basically contemplated retirement and said he was gonna. I did hear that he was gonna yeah. retire, and apparently Adam Silver is the guy that talked him out of it, told him not to make a decision like that. Said it would be a rash decision yes. to retire, and he he thanked Adam Silver and he thanked the NBA. Said that it's great to play in a league where people talk to you like that. I mean, it, that's, it, it was pretty powerful. Good stuff. for Draymond. Yeah, absolutely, it was powerful. They're gonna be in town. So, the Warriors and the Bulls, the Cubs convention Friday, you could see the Bears trying to sneak in there, and if they have to fire somebody, it would get the least amount of attention than any other day this yeah. week, probably any other day this offseason. If they want to do something, do it Friday, because it, it, would, it would not be loud in terms of an announcement. Um, I, I'm curious about the Bulls. I'm curious about how much interest there is um, in that game in the ring of honor if Michael doesn't show up. If there's no Michael Jordan there and you have your ring of honor, do you really have a ring of honor? And and if you were putting together a ring of honor, wouldn't you try to do it around his schedule? Well, yeah, maybe. Yeah, I know, I know what you're saying, but I think his schedule is so unpredictable that it puts you in a difficult spot as an organization to tie everything into his presence. You, I think you, at some point in time, if you can't get on the same page, and maybe this reflects the relationship he has with the yeah. Bulls organization. He, was a, he just was owning another franchise, a competitor, until he just sold. So I, I know what you're saying. I don't know that it takes anything away from the other people going into the Ring of Honor if Michael Jordan isn't there. I still think it's a special occasion. I still think it means a lot to the people going in. And Jordan's presence would certainly magnify the moment for everybody, make it more memorable. But I don't know that it would diminish it necessarily unless you're looking for I, – I don't, I don't think it would. I mean, I, I, certainly Jordan coming is, is, would be magical, magical night at the United Center. But they can still have a very good event if he I, doesn't. I, I'm, I'm, I don't mean to – to sound like I'm dissing the thing if he's not there. I'm just saying there would be a lot more gravitas if he is. Yep. As simple as that. Absolutely. Absolutely he and, would. Um, I hope he shows up. Yeah, I hope he shows up too. I just think it'd be great because 
is there anybody that is is more uh, beloved in Chicago sports history than Michael Jordan? It's a good question. And Michael, you know, as we talked about, no. Michael, a son of North Carolina, you know, he was technically born in New York, but uh, but definitely kind of a Carolina guy. The way you think of him, um, the he Michael belongs to the world more than the city of Chicago, right? Uh, Michael belongs to the all-time greats. I think that everybody holds him in highest esteem, but I don't know like anybody feels like Jordan is, you know, of Chicago. He's almost like larger than the, the, the city in terms of global a icon. Sport. Yes. More than a Chicago yes. icon. And maybe in that context, and maybe Walter Payton would be the only other person that would come to mind. Right. You know, the universal appeal of of, of uh, sweetness in the Bears because everyone grows up a Bears fan and remembers. But he stayed here and he, yeah. I, I'm, you know, and obviously the, the tragedy of losing him mm -hmm. as early as we did. I, I'm not arguing with that but I, I don't think there's any other I can't think of anybody that that you would say is kind of above his sport in the same fashion in which somebody Michael who Jordan transcends a sport and is uh, in his stratosphere yeah I don't think that you can he's come a, up with he's somebody a, he's just an all-time right kind of different he belongs to the world which I, makes it difficult yeah. for you to get on on board with his scheduling and his uh, oh, cooperation. I, I wonder. I wonder I what you. his motivation level would be to come to an event like this. It's a good question. Yeah, what's in it for him? And does he look at it as a potential headache? Because you know, Scottie Pippen will be here. Well, that that Phil, or is, know, is invited at least. Phil Jackson is going in. Are these things that he would welcome or want to avoid? Phil, Michael. Oh, Michael. I, I think Michael has a decent relationship with Phil. I think that does Michael want to kind of make amends with Scotty does Michael feel like that's important to him or if it is irrelevant to him I, I don't know I don't know the answer to that question I think that's a complicated one but um, I, I just think that uh, I, I think that if Jordan is there it's it's like a national story and if he's not it's like a local story mm -hmm. is that wrong to put it that way I yeah think I it, think it's probably true well if Michael Jordan shows up at the United Center to honor uh, the, the people going into the Ring of Honor and also the 95-96 team that made history, that would be a national story, and I think it would resonate with sports fans, not just basketball fans, everywhere. Everywhere. Hmm. He makes news when, you know, he, he was at the national championship game. Wasn't he in Houston? He was there. On Monday night? I guess, what, was, what did we hear? What was the story that the jump brand – was used by Washington, and it was the first time in a national championship game. He's also buddies with Derek Jeter, who grew up in Michigan and was wearing a Michigan um, uh, jersey while he was watching the game. So who knows? I mean, I don't know if it was just convenient for him Place or to if be. he cares that much about the Jordan brand, um, the Jumpman stuff. I, I, think it's, I think it's cool that he was there. Um, you know, there were a lot of people there. There were a lot of uh, – of uh, kind of stars from both universities, from the college it's, football world. It was Super Bowl-esque. Yes, it Because had, it, it, it was a national championship feeling. game yes. in Houston, easy to get in and out of, relatively speaking. Right. So you could attract that kind of audience, and, and that, kind of, uh, that kind of event is, 
is definitely a one-of-one type of thing, and it's, it's a place to be. And it certainly delivered if you're a Michigan fan. Yeah, if you were a Michigan fan. What was good about that game, in retrospect, is that it did not have a determination until the fourth quarter. And it wasn't until probably the um, that when they went up 21, the game was over. When they, when they had the, the interception return and then the touchdown, that's when the game was over. And so that was relatively late. It, it looks like a completely lopsided blowout and – you know the the uh, it wasn't yeah, Washington right. fans walked out of that game kind of feeling like Michael Penix, right? Just getting bruised and battered and beaten. Their psyche was abused, yes. like Michael Penix, right. ankle and back <laughs> and right. spleen That's and right. head. I mean, <laughs> well, that guy, well, poor guy. How, how long is I, it going to be before he recovers well, and, and, and able to prepare tried, for the combine? I tried looking that up last night. I was I spent a lot of time just trying to see if anyone's writing about. Did he have to visit the hospital? Like, how badly was he beaten up? He looked like he should have been stretchered off the field. He did look like somebody who – it was bad enough to remind everyone, and we talked about this a little yesterday, of just how injured he's been. Because you're like, oh, man, his ankle? Oh, man, his shoulder? Oh, how's his knee? Didn't he have that uh, operated on? How many surgeries? And so all of a sudden, by the end, you're looking at him as, in a different light than maybe you began the night. And so he started the game as a, p- a potential top five pick, and he ended the game with people openly questioning on social media whether he's going to drop out of the first round. <laughs> I mean, that's silly. I think he's still going to be a first-round pick, but you can't ignore his health history. Well, I mean, again. That's a big problem. I, I, it, I, I'd be curious to know how he came out of that game. I mean, how bad – is that ankle, it, it, it was a terrible-looking injury. And really, when you go back and think about the game, that play was the determining play in the game because he got stomped, he throws a pick, there's like a double catch, the guy gets his hand under the ball, right. and, that, and that is the first play of the second half, and he's compromised the rest of the half, basically. He wasn't able to throw the ball down the field with the kind of aplomb he had uh, in previous games. And... And then if they were just teeing off on him. He still is likely to be the third quarterback taken in the draft, according to a lot of the – you see the all the mock drafts already in the aftermath of the national championship game. Mel Kuyper's you know, list comes out. J.J. McCarthy was the fifth-rated quarterback, which kind of surprised me. Uh, somebody. I, I think a, a draft scout guy, who was it? I saw somebody saying that uh, he had moved Daniels ahead of – Jaden Daniels ahead of uh, – of uh, Drake May. Mm. Now well, Drake May fits like the prototype. It's almost like yeah. you know if you if you were sketching out what you wanted out of quarterback, that'd be the I, guy. I, I said when Jaden Daniels won the Heisman that it wouldn't surprise me if he makes an Anthony Richardson like ascension yes. up the draft board. Yeah, because by the combine, then by draft day, he'll continue to climb and impress because athleticism yes he probably he does come across very well in in interviews got a really nice touch on the deep ball and you can see why teams would take a chance on him the way the Colts took a chance on Anthony Richardson so wouldn't shock me uh and you wonder you wonder where McCarthy will fall and how this pre-draft process will affect his status because he's got a lot of intangibles but you wonder about the measurables CBS had, and we're going to talk about mock drafts forever. CBS had a mock draft draft yesterday 
uh, their first one since the national championship. They had the Bears trading the number one overall pick to Washington. So the Bears go from one to two. Mm-hmm. They pick up the 41st pick, which happens to be the pick they gave up for um, Sweat. for Montez Sweat. And then they get Washington's number one next year. And they had them drafting uh, Marvin Harrison Jr. I saw that. And I think it's a very interesting and possible, uh, compelling possibility. All things are in play. I always wondered this, though, when there's this, this uh, popular sentiment that you can't pass on Marvin Harrison Jr., that you would take him even number one if you stayed there or, or you wouldn't want to trade down lower to miss him. The term generational talent overused, but if he is one of one, if he is one of those guys at the wide receiver position, that's fine. But realize that there's the same things being said about Caleb Williams at the quarterback position oh, that yeah. are being said about Marvin Harrison as a wide oh, receiver. I, I mean, listen, I, I, you don't have to tell me. I I'm know. Just, I, I'm just saying this is one scenario. That well, was, I, I'm not telling had, you. And they had him taken number nine. They had him taken the pass rusher from Alabama. Uh, what's his name? Uh, Dallas. Uh, uh, what's his name? Dallas Hunter, right? They had him. They had him going. The edge guy. So, yeah. so what they were planning on doing, according to most mocks at this point, is Caleb Williams, and then like Roma Duze, whoever is the is the third receiver, mm-hmm. and instead they had him taking the receiver and then taking a pass rusher. And then I don't know where they were going at 41. I don't think they got that far. Right. And I know you understand that. And I think that you – but because we've been talking about that. Right. I just find it interesting how people are willing to concede or even just – not even concede. They're willing to identify Marvin Harrison as a can't-miss guy because he's a wide receiver that can't miss. And they conveniently overlook the fact that there are so many people saying the same thing about Caleb Williams as a quarterback – that they're saying about Marvin Harrison Jr. as a receiver. But I think the difference is Marvin Harrison Jr. has a father who's a Hall of Famer. I, and when you start talking about Caleb Williams, you're worried about his dad. I agree. The stuff he said. The, is that enough to prevent you from I, buying in? Apparently it is. Well, it's, it's enough. The idea that he doesn't really want to go to the Bears is enough to stop some people from wanting him here. Is that myth or fact? I don't know. I don't know, and that's what this offseason should be about. But, you know, there is this – I don't – I mean, I don't know what's going to happen with, uh, with the new president, but traditionally, let's put it this way, the, the arrogance of the Bears would not allow them to want somebody that didn't appreciate the history of their organization and the championships of the forties. <laughs> I, I, I'm just I, being. I honest. would hope not. I, I, I would hope I that am you, with you that if you have all the measurables and you're you're an extremely uh, talented prospect who who plays a yes. position you've never been good at that you're not going to be drafted because you don't know who. Uh, yeah, who Sid Luckman, Sid Luckman is, yeah. or or the history of the Chicago Bears. And, and again, I mean, you you want to be recruiting people, and you want people to want you. You don't want to be. You don't know me. I, it's just kind of a weird reality with the Bears more so than a lot of other teams. Whether whether that is just a traditional approach they've had, or. Uh, or one that still exists. I think it's an interesting thing to contemplate. We got Dan Weeder. He's going to join us next. We'll talk to uh, Dan. It's Mully and Hall on the score. 
We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Dan Wiederer. You've got a guy with, with credentials. You've got a guy with some qualifications. And now there's just when done at its best provides a level of steadiness and stability that helps create and stimulate success. On-air contributor for 670 The Score. Listen, we're not going to accept the status quo. We are going to push for more. We are going to strive for more. Co-host of the Take the North podcast with our own David Haw. We're going to take the North and never give it back. Dan Wiederer with Mullane Haw on 670 The Score. Bear down. Let's go. <laughs> Mully and Haw, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. Always fun to talk to Dan Wiederer. He joins us now on The Score Hotline, powered by IBEW Local 9, Chicago's original powerhouse since 1892. Dan, good morning. How are you? I am uh, waiting patiently as the rest of uh, Chicago is. Well, maybe not everyone is patient, but uh, waiting for some clarity out of uh, that building up in Lake Forest. Wait, nothing announced then? No, not even a, a hint of, 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 hey, we've chosen to bury the news on Friday. Nothing? <laughs> I, look, like I think by the end of today, we should start to gain more clarity. Um, and at that point, the key for everyone is trying to get a feel for how they got from point A to point B. No matter where point B is, we need an explanation of the journey to get there and an understanding of what all was uh, discussed, deliberated, talked about to know exactly how they reached their conclusions. Did you say you were being patient, Dan? I am. I, I okay. like almost, uh, almost eerily, David. I, I, it's, I felt this strange calm the last <laughs> two and a half days. I don't know where that's coming from. Well, you did warn us. You did say this. And I think that you expected this to be a deliberate process. I would think that you could interpret it a couple of different ways. You could look at it. Okay. The clock's not ticking in their office because they don't, they're oblivious to the kinds of things that you know, we talk about in terms of urgency, and they're going to embrace the status quo. Or you could interpret it as, boy, Ryan Poles really wants to keep his head coach, but Kevin Warren might be trying to talk him out of it. I don't know where you come down on it, but I've heard both theories advanced. Well, I understand both theories, uh, certainly. I, I am um, resisting the temptation to interpret anything until we actually have a decision and an explanation of that decision. I think a year ago when Kevin Warren came on board, we all sort of stepped back and said, for the organization, this should be a step in the right direction because you're going to now have a heightened level of thoroughness uh, at that position, at the team president position, a heightened level of detail, some football sensibility to add to the most important and high profile decisions that the organization has to make. And that's an up upgrade, you know, and now obviously you still have to make really good decisions with your processes, but the processes should be better. And I think that's what these last couple of days have been about at Hallis Hall. Um, and, and look, like if, if we have final decisions by Thursday, by Wednesday night, by Friday morning, the football world will, will go on as it would have anyways. And it, it's just uncomfortable for those of us who live in the realm of uncertainty to, to feel that for a few days. But ultimately, they're not falling behind in anything. There's nothing wrong with taking this approach. You still have to make the right decisions. What, um, you know, is there any 
they're going to be unified in their message when they finally give it. And I think maybe that's one of the reasons that they're being as uh, as deliberate as they are with this stuff. How um, how do you make sure that whatever me- messaging you hmm. want to make has been practiced and kind of rehearsed <laughs> a little bit? Molly, it's a, a fantastic question because – That word you used twice there, messaging, has not been the strong suit of this organization. We all know that historically bad Zoom press conference that came out of the 2020 season and how things that were literally on their script resonated with the outside world. You know, the infamous Ted Phillips quote, you know, George talking about how impressed he was during the six-game losing streak. That needs to be better this time around. I also think there's bigger picture questions on on messaging going forward beyond this next set of decisions and how you put your organization in a um, position to to not fall through those open manhole covers like they've done so many times in these settings. So you're right. Like the messaging is as important as the decision in some ways in, in this in this particular case because you have a very edgy fan base waiting for answers, waiting for a a concrete vision, and you better be able to explain it to them well. And I I said to David the other day on the podcast that this is one of those moments that if if you're doing this sensibly as an organization, you do not cut off the press conference. You let it flow until you sense in the room that there's no more legitimate questions to be asked. It's not like five people talking over each other and you say two more, you know, because you know that there's five or six more questions in the room. Let all the questions be asked. If you're confident in your decisions, you won't have any problem answering them all. And so I'm hopeful that that's part of the uh, the plan of attack up in Lake Forest this week. Dan, Michigan winning the national championship and Jim Harbaugh being linked to NFL jobs was a big story yesterday and continues to be. Mike Vrabel being fired in Tennessee uh, is a big story because of his availability and where he is on the coaching tier. How do how does either one of those developments affect the conversation at Hallis Hall? No, I mean, it should affect it because you, if you're doing this properly, you are not only evaluating Matt Eberflus and his staff, but you're exploring what the replacement options could be. Now, you better have a handle on what those two guys and others around the league are, are kind of leaning and hoping for. You know, I think there's sentiments that Harbaugh's first choice could be the Chargers job out in L.A. There's sentiments that if Bill Belichick gets – ousted in New England that Mike Vrabel could return home there. And so you need to navigate all of that. It's a chess game that that needs to be played, but you also need to use that moment in time to understand that okay, this is this is unique. You know, there's a different landscape here in the NFL right now. There's different options available to us. What is realistic for us? What should we feel out a little bit more? And how do we just make sure that that we understand how rare this moment is where you have a chance now to reboot potentially at your coaching staff, potentially at the quarterback position, marry those things up for the first time in forever. And and David, one of the things that I heard consistently from people around the league the last few weeks when I was working on those pieces for last week was just how difficult it's been for the Bears to to be unraveling the backwards nature with which they handled the last three off seasons, rebooted at quarterback in 21, then rebooted at head coach and general manager in 22, then rebooted at team president in 23. And it's the absolute reverse order of how a healthy organization would do things. Well, now you've got a chance to start to create health in that regard. You better take advantage of it because it doesn't come around all the time. Yeah, I, I, uh, I totally agree with that, that concept. And, and, you know, I said to, David, this morning, to me, uh, Mike Vrabel is an upgrade over Matt Eberflus, hands down. He's an upgrade over 
I would move him to the top of the list of guys that I'd be willing to hire, especially when you consider some of the dysfunction uh, with that organization, you know, trading the wide receiver against the will of the coach and, and trying to draft one. And I don't know what the purpose of that was watching the team they trade him to get to the Super Bowl. <laughs> and, and, you know, Vrabel made three playoffs and was a really good coach with a very mediocre quarterback situation, in my opinion. Yeah, no question. And, 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 you know, did what we are asking for here, which is raise the bar for that organization and tried to establish standards that everyone adhered to. Um, so that's part of this, but you, you know, you better have an idea of, of does this job interest him? Does he have his right, eyes right. somewhere else? You know, like, look like the, the one thing that is consistent in every time that the bears are, are potentially, or actually a player in the hiring cycle is how attractive this job is. Well, recently the vibe is it's never been more attractive because of the opportunity now here to, to put your stamp on it everything to join the organization at a point where they not only have the number one overall pick, but they've got another top 10 pick. And so um, this idea that, that if you draft a quarterback at number one, you're not allowing yourself a chance to build the team around that quarterback. It's nonsense. They've got, they've got a chance to go get a receiver at, in the top 10. You know, how many times have the bears chosen a receiver in the top 10 of a draft? It doesn't happen. So you, like, like you can continue to build this team up and you've basically been, been given the opportunity to use a gift card at the number one pick If the bears, like say the Panthers had a better season this year and they, and they finished, you know, uh, a little better than they did. And the bears were picking seven and nine. We would be entertaining discussions about how could you package seven and nine and maybe next year's one and maybe a late round pick somewhere else to go up and, and get one. That would be a, a discussion we'd have for the next two and a half months. Well, you don't have to do that. You're literally using a gift card that the Panthers gave you to use the number one pick. If that's what you choose to do to get draft a quarterback. And so, so um, there, there's an opportunity here, and I, I haven't been able to stress it enough over the, the, the last few weeks. The optimism level and the opportunity here is at a level that I haven't seen it in my 11 years covering the, the team. And, and so now it's, it, it's a chance to strike, and it's a chance for your leaders to show that they're really good at what they do. So we spent most of the season being served the, the blame pie and dividing up who was responsible for what, Dan. So if you look at the possibility pie and you look at the percentages <laughs> – of, of something happening, what percent do you think, if you look at it, that the is it is it possible that the Bears could run it all back? That all this deliberation is because they're trying to explain how they're going to embrace the status quo. They can't say much about the quarterback yet, but they could lean in that direction. Is it conceivable in your mind that the Bears could be convincing themselves it's in the name of progress to bring back Matt Eberflus, Luke Getze, and Justin Fields? 1.63% is the uh, chunk of that pie. I, I just, I mean, That's I don't a see morsel. that. <laughs> I don't see that being something that um, they could reasonably conclude. I certainly don't see it as something they could reasonably sell to the masses, given what uh, we've experienced here. So now it's, a, it's about figuring out what you're doing here. If you do decide to um, start anew on the offensive side of the ball, well, now Matt, and you want to keep Matt Eberflus, well, Matt, Matt now has to articulate a vision to you on how he's replacing two coordinators. And who are those people that that you have on your short list, Coach Eberflus, that are going to take us to the next level? What is your vision for developing a quarterback, whether it be Justin or rookie? Like, tell us who the people are and what the, the action plan is to bring quarterback play in Chicago to a level that's acceptable. You know, like, <laughs> on, on Sunday afternoon, Jordan Love went over 4,000 yards. C.J. Stroud the night before took his team in the playoffs as a 4,000-yard passer. You had 10 quarterbacks in the NFL in 2023 
accomplish something that no quarterback in 104 seasons of Bears football has accomplished, which is throwing for 4,000 yards. You have to join that club at some point. And, uh, you know, like, so, so right now, who are the people to help you get there? Who is the quarterback? Who is the play caller? Who is the head coach slash visionary that's going to put all those plans in place and the wheels into motion? Let's hear it. And I think that's what part of these last couple of days have been about. Obviously, Monday was centered on player exit interviews. I think yesterday was, okay, let's let's scale back and, and see this from a coaching lens. And now let's start to zoom forward and figure out what the, the pr- pr- proposed plans are to get this thing on the right track because seven and 10 and last place is just too common of territory for the bears. And at some point you can't keep settling for that. Yeah. I told David driving in a Monday that what really was kind of ringing in my head is this idea that the bears do a great job of selling losing. And we've Uh seen it happen all year long, all year long. We've heard our record may be this, but really we're four and four because this game mattered and that, we lost those games, but if we'd won them, we really would be a play. It's just nonsense. And it's at some point you got to wake the hell up and get some smelling salts in there. Molly, this is an analogy I've used more than once. And it's sad because I've had to use it more than once, but this is an organization that sells itself on how well the airbags work (laughs) you know what i mean and 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 the ultimate goal when you go to buy a car is is not like what is this going to do when it crashes it's it's does this car handle well does it get me from point a to point b smoothly is it something that's incredibly reliable and fun to drive and it's always like well if if you crash you know you're going to not be in the hospital for too long afterwards and that's what they sell it's 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 the the culture the the idea that through the turbulence times nobody's pointed fingers and there's been no backstabbing or you know rifts inside the locker room like eventually there needs to be more than that I, I also you know I've, I've pointed out a number of occasions where Ryan Poles has come from and, and not only did he sit on top of a double-decker bus in Kansas City to experience a Super Bowl parade but in the early time of his uh, tenure there he, he was going through coaching changes he sat through the end of the Todd Haley era. He sat through a season of Romeo Cornell before they got to Andy Reid. You know, he, he, he was with three different general managers. And so um, change shouldn't be something he's averse to, I guess is the way to put that. And he should understand that there's a climb in this league uh, and a way to go about it in a way that, that you're constantly raising the bar for whatever reason, the bar that they're trying to raise at Hell seems like it weighs 1400 pounds and no one can get it above their shoulders. Dan, thanks a ton. Great stuff. Appreciate it. Thanks, Dan. All right, guys. Stay patient. Stay patient. All right. 312-644-6767. It's Mully and Hahn, the score. Keep Justin Fields. Keep oh. Justin Fields. <laughs> Mully and Hall, Chicago Sports Radio, 670, the score. That was Mike. Florio with us yesterday. That was funny. And you it know was. what? It sounded like Mike was sitting in section uh, yeah. 348 at Soldier Field on the last home game of the season. And he sounded like another guy who played quarterback for the Bears for a very long time who had the same type of sentiments. Yeah. How about that? Uh, your guy, Jay Cutler, <laughs> your uh, state mate, uh, okay. was, uh, I mean, I'm yeah, you're right. A compliment. Hoosiers. Uh, yeah. He, uh, the man from. Santa Claus, Indiana, is on Inside the NFL on HBO, and here's what he had to say. Jay, you see Justin Fields addressing the Chicago media for what could be the last time. If you were general manager Ryan Poles, what would you do? 
How much time we have? <laughs> Four months. Or, uh, you know, so. This is about as complex as they get. They yeah. got the first pick. They've got the ninth pick. You've got Kalen Williams. You've got Drake May. Highly up there at 1-2, one, 1-5. One through five. And then you've got Justin Fields going into his third year. He's 10-27, and 27, yeah. 40 touchdowns, 30 picks. His fourth quarter stats are pretty bad. And the team's not that good. I don't know what they're going to do. What I think they should do is trade down, get some more guys on that team to help out uh, Justin and see what happens. Because let's plug in Caleb Williams on that team. Yeah. If what happens? If he's out there in that game with that game plan, as many times as Justin had. Because I tried. I looked. Because I'm on Justin Field's side here. Because yeah. I'm, I'm afraid to, to take that chance with a guy in the top ten. We've seen yep. – that since we've been in the league, drafting top 10 quarterbacks is a crapshoot. You could get a Jay Cutler where your guy gives you a chance to win. Or you could get a guy who flames out in a year or two. I, I, think, uh, I think when it comes to fields, you watch that game, you try to put the sacks on him, it's hard to do it. Mm -hmm. Like, where's he going with that football in those situations? You know, the offensive game plans have been pretty bad. He's on a second coordinator already. Will they have a third one next year? Who yeah. knows what's going to happen there? But then I think if you do trade, you've got to look in who you're going to trade to. You know, there's Washington, New England, Atlanta. Atlanta, Vikings, Denver. You know, there's a lot of teams out there that want quarterbacks. So I think if they do get out of there, they need to be careful who they do trade to. But I think if you blow it up and you start all over again with the number one pick, you're going to be – you might be sitting in a worse position than you are right now. Hmm. Interesting. Jay Cutler. He's very good. Mm -hmm. I think he's very – strong as an analyst I think he would be great in a booth he's good in the studio he knows the league like him or, or hate him uh, Jay Cutler knows the NFL and I think he articulates that position very well if you are a pro Justin Fields person you heard everything that you believe from Jay Cutler and you're sitting there nodding your head I think Jay went to Vanderbilt. I think that he may have graduated from Vanderbilt. I haven't really looked. Smart guy. Um, didn't go to to some junior college and transfer into Cal for a couple of years without <laughs> graduating. Nice comparison, especially in, in a week where we're, we're, we're hearing from a lot of uh, quarterbacks who didn't play this year. Oh, that's yeah. awesome. Jay Cutler makes a good case for – bringing Justin Fields back and building around him. I, I wonder I wonder how quarterbacks look at up-and-coming quarterbacks and if they're more critical of guys like Caleb Williams because of that. You know what I mean? They play the position and eh, they, can find the flaw, they can find flaws, but they might be looking for them as well. Don't know. He makes a strong case, though. I'll have to say, he, he stated that quite well. Yeah, he did very well with that. No question about it. All right, we're going to shift gears. And we're going to bring in our guy, Casey Johnson, and we're going to talk Bulls. And the Bulls are a significantly different team than they were uh, when the football season was just getting going. Now that we are done with the Bears season, we're going to ask KC to catch everybody up on where they're at and what happened and why they are doing better than anyone expected, including unbeaten with uh, the return. Two and oh. Two and oh, baby, with uh, Zach Levine coming off the bench. What does that mean? What will it mean? Vooch coming off the bench. Will he continue to? I don't know. Good questions for KC. We'll ask him those next. Mully and Horn the score. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? 
Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.